Hello, I'm Tina Sederholm. Welcome to This Is Not Therapy, a podcast for people who like to find the marvellous in the mundane. Hello and welcome to Series 2, Episode 5 of This Is Not Therapy, which is called Snow Leopardess and Me. If this is the first time you've tuned in, an extra welcome because you have picked an extra special episode to join us. My name is Tina Sederholm, and I usually introduce myself as a poet, performer, and podcaster. But before I gave myself those labels, I was an event rider and trainer. If you're not familiar with the term eventer, it's a sport where horse and rider take part in three phases, dressage, show jumping, and cross country, a bit like a triathlon. It's often confused with pure show jumping, like, for instance, in the Netflix show The Crown, where they portrayed Princess Anne as becoming European champion in show jumping, not eventing. What? I'm not bitter, but it is annoying that someone was paid to research that sort of information and still got it wrong. Anyway, back to today's episode. The reason this one is special is that I'm finally going to make good on a promise I made in the first series of This Is Not Therapy, in the episode called We All Have Ghost Ships. At the end of that, I said, quite off the cuff, that I would one day tell you how I fell in love with horses again. And finally, here it is. A story of first loves, heartbreak and redemption. While I'm in the apologising mood, I must also say sorry that this episode is a week late. It was an important story for me to tell and the first couple of goes I had at it, oh, they didn't sound right. <sighs> I was just trying too hard. It was as simple as that. I'm not saying this one is perfect, but it is closer to how I imagined it sounding. Okay, enough preamble, enough apology. I dedicate this episode to everyone. Because if you are a human being, you have experienced heartbreak at some point in your life. But I especially dedicate it to anyone who is currently going through a heartbreak. Or if you have one that was many years ago and you mostly think, oh, I've dealt with that one. Except in your most quiet moments, when it flashes unbidden into your imagination again. It's an early evening in May 2020. Neil and I are out walking our dogs Ralph and new rescue Nellie across sun-hardened fields. It's only just summer, but the air already has that hazy, almost alcoholic texture to it. I can remember exactly where we were on the walk when my phone rang, because moments before, out of nowhere, Nellie sprang over a stile. So far, she'd been pretty shut down. As an ex-breeding dog, she'd spent most of her life in a kennel or whelping pen and just padded along quietly behind us on walks. Until this moment, when her inner kangaroo suddenly appeared. I'd barely got the words, Did you see that? out of my mouth when my phone rang. Ordinarily, I would have ignored it, especially at a moment like this. But it was my godmother 
Marietta. And A, she hardly ever calls. And B, I'm very fond of her. Tina, I've got my racehorses in training with Charlie Longsden. Racing's going to restart soon and I want you to go and school them. At this point, I've barely sat on a horse for five years. I say that to Marietta. Well, you still remember what to do, don't you? Yes, well, yes I do, but I am about a stone heavier than in my competition days. Oh, my big lumps won't care. There's a point in a conversation with Marietta where you just have to accept the tidal wave of her will. OK, I say. After all, I was sort of intrigued. Could I ride properly again? Oh, by the way, she says, the big mare has bucked quite a few people off. But she's getting a bit more sensible now. Oh God, I think. I am definitely too old for this. When Marietta says school them, she means dressage. She means the horse is going in a round outline and able to stretch and flex in small circles, even to go sideways on command. This is quite unusual for racehorses. They get a basic education as youngsters, but then the emphasis is on getting them fit and teaching them to jump. But Marietta wants her horses to continue their education. She thinks it will make them stronger, keep their muscle tone and help prevent injury. She has a point. After all, if they were human athletes, a runner, say, you would expect them to do some strength training, some weights, not just practice running all the time. My relationship with horses is complicated. I grew up surrounded by them because my dad was trainer to many equestrian stars. The kind of people that, if you were a pony-mad kid in the 70s and 80s, you probably had a poster of them on your bedroom wall. For a long time, I genuinely believed that everyone wanted to train for the Olympics. I certainly did. But professional horsey life is tough. And by my mid-thirties, a combination of injuries, frustration and the pressure to ride well, not just at competitions, but also at home, to set a good example to my father's students, that got to me. The joy of it had dissipated. When my beloved horse Chinook injured himself seriously, I was heartbroken. And I was body broken too exhausted from all the effort that seemed to have come to nothing. So I stopped competing and became a poet. I still taught riding. Poetry is not known for its lucrative income. But I felt detached from the horse world. An imposter, almost. And underneath it all, I felt shame that I was devoid of the qualities it took to become a world-class rider. The first time I go to ride Marietta's horses, I feel nervous as a pony club kid going to her first gymkhana. I don't know Charlie, the trainer, at all. Don't know if he thinks that what I'm doing is worthwhile or a bit of a waste of time. When I get to the stables, the grey mare, she of the big bucks, is huge. It's a good job at this stage that I don't know that she's the best horse in the yard – 
though I should have got a clue when her work rider, Jess, accompanies me to the arena to see what I'm doing with her precious horse. After a few minutes, Jess is satisfied that I'm not going to ruin the horse and returns to the yard. It's not long before I'm puffing with sweaty, blown-out cheeks as shiny red as royal galas. As well as riding Snow Leopardess, for that is the name of the huge grey mare, I ride her brother, Shah. As I drive home, my hips are yelling at me, my inner thighs curling up in short, tight spasms. I tell no one. Slowly, I start to feel my way back into riding the horses. I do remember what to do. And each time, my muscles complain a little less. Can I tell you about riding Snow Leopardess? She has this floating movement. She's well-balanced, intelligent, responds best to a subtle touch. Imagine sitting on a cloud, albeit a turbocharged one. The best thing about Charlie's is that after that first day, no one comes to watch. They're mildly interested, enough to ask me how the horses went as I walk them back to the yard. But for the first time I can remember, I am left to my own devices. I relax, start to play with the horses more. I can feel that original curiosity that I always had as a child tiptoe back into me. What does this horse need? How can I get them to stretch and let go? The Irish head lad tells me that if the horses win, it'll be all the stable staff's good work. But if they lose, it's my fault. He says it with a twinkle in his eye, though, and later Marietta tells me that he thinks I'm all right. High praise indeed. Have you ever broken a thing you love? Or been broken by it. Believe that if only you had done things differently, it would have all turned out a lot better. I've thought that about horses for many years. When self-help books would suggest that I think about things I loved as a child, I would switch off immediately. I used to love it, I would think. But I put too much pressure on, and I broke it. And I thought it was unmendable. But now I'm beginning to think I may have been wrong about that. Years ago, I was eavesdropping while I waited on the platform at North Holt Station, when I heard a studious-looking man say into his phone, my friend, the heart is not a bone. A train rumbled into the station at that moment and the shrieking brakes put paid to my chance to hear the rest of the conversation. But I instantly fell in love with that line. The heart is not a bone. For years, I mulled on the thought that maybe our hearts are meant to be broken. Because when they mend... They're not weaker, like a bone would be, but become more resilient, more compassionate, 
more capable of love. Right now, I feel like I am falling in love with horses again, but in a different way. An appreciation of the animals themselves, rather than what they can do for my ego or my career. Can I tell you how extraordinary Snow Leopardess is? By the time she was six, she had won races in England, Ireland and France. But in the last one, she injured herself and needed to have a year off. Never one to waste an opportunity, Marietta put her in foal. Snow Leopardess is already the fifth generation horse that Marietta bred from a mare called Isolde that she bought when she was 19. And Marietta is keen for the line to continue. Many people, Charlie included, did not think that Snow Leopardess would come back to racing. The injury was significant, and the chances of a mare racing again after having a foal are rarer than breeding a Gold Cup winner. But when Red Panda, the foal, is still at foot, Marietta loads her and Snow Leopardess in the trailer and drives them the 150 miles from her home in Kent to Charlie's yard. Saddled up, Snow Leopardess saunters up the gallops with the foal running loose behind her. A few months later, Snow Leopardess is back in training full time and soon after I begin to ride her. She might have had nearly two years off and taken a while to get fit but she was soon back to her winning ways. Beating the opposition in a fiercely fought steeplechase at Haydock, the conditions so filthy her near-white coat was almost completely covered with sticky black mud by the end. Marietta celebrated by going to the sales and buying a new foal. Snow Leopardess is second and third in two other good races that season and begins to gather herself an ever-expanding fan club on social media. After each race, she is thoroughly checked out by the vet. Every time, he shakes his head in disbelief. Not only is her old injury standing up to racing, her leg actually seems to be improving. The next season, she wins three big races, including the Beecher Chase, a race run over the Grand National Fences. Coming down to the famous Beecher's Brook, Aidan, her jockey, squeezed her forward and she stood off, making one of the biggest fences in steeplechasing look like a training hurdle. That win made her favourite for the Grand National. As the news cameras crowded around the stable and Charlie gave press interview after press interview and security had to be booked to protect her, we all began to dream. Could she? Could she win? The Grand National? If this was Hollywood, she would have done. As it was, spring came early in 2022 and the lack of rain meant the ground got firmer. Snow Leopardess is the mud queen. She prefers soft ground, even heavy. When I arrived at Aintree on Grand National Day, the sun was shining, but a sudden squall of snow made me think... Maybe. But the snow was gone in a matter of minutes and the sun that shone and the wind that blew all day dried the course out further. She jumped round gamely, but the others were simply too fast. After a circuit, Aidan pulled her up to save her for another day. 
It was the first time she ever failed to finish a race. However, the way she pranced back to the stables, it was like she thought she'd won anyway. I thought that might be it. But no, she's back for another season. At 11 years old, I was wondering if her best was behind her and certainly she didn't run fantastically in her first couple of races. But by February this year, she was back to her old self, only just beaten into second place in the Grand National Trial Chase at Haydock. Every time I ride her now, it's a gift. She will not race for too much longer before she's off to have more foals. Today, I rode her in a mild snowstorm. Ears pricked, bouncing into a flying change, she felt better than ever more than ready to run next week. When I walk her back into the yard, the Irish head lad sticks his hands on his hips and shakes his head. He doesn't even have to ask how she went. He can see it from the way she sashays down the path, toes pointing with every stride. That effing horse, he says. There'll never be another like her. So that was Snow Leopardess and me. I do hope that story brought you some heart ease if you're struggling at the moment. If you want to keep up with Snow Leopardess or find out more about her, well, honestly, just stick it in Google. Uh, I'll put a couple of links in the show notes as well. The plan is that she will run at Aintree again this year, not in the Grand National, um, but in one of the other races, Plan still to be decided. Racing is very like this. Um, They change all the time. You'll just have to have a look in the Racing Post. If you'd like to come and see me live, I've got two gigs this month. I'll be at Scribal Gathering in Stony Stratford on the 11th of April. And on the 19th of April, I'll be doing my entire show, This Is Not Therapy, at the old fire station in Oxford as part of a double bill with Rowan McCabe and his door-to-door poetry nationwide. I would love to see you at either of those events. It's great making podcasts, but honestly, there is nothing like the live experience. So come on, come along and support live art. Okay, that's all from me. Uh, There's a strong possibility the next episode will be a week late as well, because now I've got out of sync. It's due on the same day as that Oxford gig. And uh, I think being kind to myself, I'll probably give myself another week then. But don't worry, there are more great stories on the way. So until next time, may something you've lost or broken find its way back to you. And if you can't see how that could happen... May you remain faithful to the possibility that it could. Hi, Tina again. Thanks for listening to This Is Not Therapy. All the books and resources mentioned in the podcast are listed in the show notes. 
where you can also sign up to my monthly newsletter. If you want to book me for a talk or show, or even buy a book, please go to www.tinasetterhome.com. And finally, don't forget to subscribe! <laughs>